your time is the most valuable commodity you have. So you've got to get rid of all the distractions, get rid of all the clutter and concentrate on rainmaker activity. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. And today, Joe is interviewing Randy Gage. Randy is a thought-provoking, critical thinker who will make you approach your business and your life in a whole new way. Randy is the author of 14 books, translated into 25 languages, including his recent worldwide bestseller, Radical Rebirth. He has spoken to more than 2 million people across more than 50 countries and is a member of both the Speaker's Hall of Fame and the Direct Selling Hall of Fame. When he is not prowling the podium or locked in his lonely writer's garret, you'll probably find him playing third base for a softball team somewhere. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Randy Gage. Welcome Randy, thanks for joining me. Hey Joe, great to be on with you. Lovely, so start by telling us who you are, what you do and crucially where you do it who I am, what I do, and crucially, <laughs> I, okay. So you heard my name already. I'm an ex-Jedi Knight who's now a book author and uh, speaker, coach, consultant. Uh, but really, as a, I think writer is my sweet spot. That's what really – I do all of the other stuff because – People want to hire the guy they read the book or they read my book and said, hey, let's bring this guy in to work with our company and see how he can help us. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, might just be a reader who joins one of my coaching programs based on having read one of my books. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you do it? I'm in Miami. And um, where do you work from? I work from home for mm-hmm. forever. Um, now it's kind of, I, I had an office for for 30 some years um, with uh, originally a big staff. Then I kind of had my first midlife crisis when I was 40 and said, you know, I don't really want to have all these hungry mouths to feed. I had 13 employees. And so I sold the company with my products, the those days, videos, DVDs, CDs, and all of that. Uh, and I just kept my assistant, Lornette. And so I kept an office there that I would go and like if clients wanted to fly in and meet, we would meet there. And fortunately, just before COVID, my lease was coming up. And I asked Lornette, because she's been with me for 28, 29 years, 
like, do you really need an office or would you want to work remote from home? And she would like, I love to work from home. I hate fighting the traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now she's, you know, really a virtual assistant and works from home. And as you say, uh, the, the sort of, you know, I've always uh, or worked from home for a long time. Many people, <laughs> it's a new thing for them, isn't it? But <laughs> it's, uh, it's all yeah. changed, isn't it? <laughs> so you said at the beginning you're an ex Jedi Knight. Is that what you said? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know. That's just I put it on my profiles, on my dating sites, whatever. I'm just being cute. <laughs> I'm not enough of a fan to know what that means in terms of uh, history. I've only oh, seen. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> We did. We did do the the, the whole uh, fest of it last year. We did watch them all in order, and uh, and oh, which order would you watch them in though? <laughs> well, so Jedi Knights were the from Star Wars. Yes, and they were the the secret body of individuals who fought the forces of evil, you know, and saved the world from the evil emperor, the universe. Mm. Uh, And so I just kind of always was, I'm a big sci-fi fan. And (laughs) so I have fun with that. Yes. Yeah. And so you talk about um, being an author and also, as you say, people want to work with you because of of reading your books and you know I've, I have people on here who, who've written a book um, fairly often but uh, you've written a few more than just one haven't you? Yeah actually number 14 was out recently it's called Radical Rebirth and it's kind of how to kill off the old you and recreate a new you and kind of kind of culminated I feel like it's the culmination of like 20 years worth of my work on how you recreate yourself and Mm. um, let go of the parts of you that no longer serve you and move toward the life or the destiny that you're really meant to be. Yes, yeah. And you talked about having a a midlife crisis at at 40. Is is this some for other people's whenever they get to it? (laughs) I I don't know. I I guess... um, a lot of the people I talk to now, I guess, being sort of a similar age to me, we, we sort of seem to be in, you know, career three or or business two or, or whatever. And, and there's lot, quite a lot of um, thought about this sort of stuff going on. And I guess, you know, the, the pandemic and everything else has probably kicked off a lot of deep thinking for people about, you know, what they truly want to do and, and you know, that, that life's part, perhaps passed them by or could pass them by or so on. I guess really good timing from that point of view. Is, is it for you because you've done all the stuff that you've done and it came at that time or, or is it about the external sort of stuff that you're seeing or both, I guess? <laughs> it, it really is both, Joe. Uh, uh, for me, if you talk to my close friends, they would say, so which midlife crisis is Randy on again? Is he on his fourth one or his fifth one? And, uh, you know, they think they're trolling me when they say that. But I adore that joke because I'm hoping to have another three or four or eight midlife crises before I leave this universe, right? Yeah. And I think that's really the the journey that we're supposed to be on. And 
As far as the external and the timing, I think that was what I put in the proposal to the publisher was, and if ever there was a time for a book like this, it's right now in the middle of COVID when all these people are self-isolating at home and rethinking every area of their life. Mm. And the number of people who are living somebody else's story is, is mind boggling, right? They're a dentist because their father was a dentist and their grandfather was a dentist and their great grandfather was a dentist or they're in the military because 11 generations of their family have served in the military since, you know, the world war one, you know, whatever. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who got pushed into a path. They took the path of least resistance. And then they reach a point. It could be 35. It could be 45. It could be 75, where they wake up and say, this isn't really my life. This isn't what I was meant to do. And, and, and that, you know, I wrote the book for those people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's radical rebirth. This is not just slightly changing your life. Yeah, because, you know, if you're going to take up Pilates at 45, okay, great. That's a smart <laughs> move, but that isn't going to really transform your life. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you got to ask the big questions. What are my core foundational beliefs about uh, work and career, money and success, sex and sexuality, God and religion, health and wellness. And so I actually picked like what I feel are those six big areas in life that we make decisions on. And then I break them down. Like here's the core foundational beliefs that most people have in this area. Like if we take the belief uh, about uh, money and success, right? Most people have the core belief that money is bad, rich people are evil, you got to be a bad parent to have a successful career, you got to sell your soul if you want to have a successful company. And so I got to, you know, I blow those beliefs up. And really, I do that in all six areas in, in that particular book. But I think that's the path for everybody in life is to look at, okay, what are my core, you know, just take if you're a coach, what are your core foundational beliefs about coaching? Did you buy into when you made that decision? If you're a consultant, you know, what is the what are the core foundational beliefs? Right? Like there's consultants who really are just contract for hire. They get hired to come in and do a project. Then there are consultants who are strategic, right? Like I feel the companies that hire me, they're they're paying because they want to pick my brain, right? So I have right in my contracts, for instance, I, I create a monthly cafecito con and then the name of the CEO or the founder who's ever hiring me. And it's just a strategy talk for where they can talk to me 
somebody outside of the company and talk about questions like, hey, I've had this uh, chief, you know, COO for 25 years, and I think they're over their head. I think the company's too big. I don't know what to do with them. Or, hey, I just got an offer. There's a company I could buy in Brazil for $80 million. And we're trying to think what's the ups and downs of that. Or we got a merger offer. They need somebody outside the company to, mm -hmm. to brainstorm that with, right? So I'm a strategic advisor. Um, but that's after mindful thinking, right? So I think for coaches, consultants, and then just anybody in anything, you just say, how, you know, how do you, what are your core foundational beliefs and how did you get them? And are those beliefs serving you? Yeah. Because I'm sure what you deal with all day, every day, if you work with coaches and consultants is they, they don't know how to get paid. They're afraid to ask for money. They don't know how to set their fees. And I think some of that comes because they haven't really questioned their core beliefs and, and recognize, okay, what is the, what is the role I serve? What is the actual value that I bring? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that whole thing, as you say, about um, sort of beliefs and where they come from. I, I have a, a daughter, she's 15, who she, she does the intros for the, the podcast. So she's a little bit involved. And uh, I always think it's interesting having worked in the corporate space and also having had my own business for sort of 16 years now, um, how much of what happens when you're young, unless you know people who are sort of doing different things, how much you just, as you said, follow the pattern of other people, or, you know, it's very much like education, go to school, get your A-levels, go to university, get your degree, go and get a job. And, you know, those people who run their own businesses, their children tend to have a slightly different perspective because they've seen it sort of thing. And um, my, my, my daughter said to me, um, a few years ago, her best friend's mum and dad, one's a teacher and one's a firefighter. And she was like, I really wish you had a, a, a normal job. I was like, what do you mean a normal job? <laughs> She's like, one that I can actually tell people and they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she can never describe what I do. And, but she can now more because she knows a lot more because she's got involved in it and she's done some work for me and that sort of thing. But it's interesting that most of the world seems to be, you know, the traditional sort of jobs and careers and everything else and 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 people as you say just do that because that's what their parents did or that's what their parents have expected or what their schools expected and that you know the world is changing and I think people are seeing that there's more options and more ways of doing things and different routes now which has got to be a good thing totally it's just the I opened that book with a story I was like 14 13 15 years old I'm going to school. Uh, so I walk out, and, you know, from my bedroom and my mom sees me and I'm wearing white pants. I had these white jeans. Uh -huh. So she looked at me and she said, you can't wear white after Labor Day. Labor Day here in the States is, um, you know, it's a holiday. And I guess it signifies that summer is over and now we're going into the colder seasons or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this universal law of the universe that says you can't wear white after Labor Day. And I was like, really? <laughs> Who said that? Is that a law? Is that a, you know, <laughs> and my poor 
perplexed mother just didn't know what to do because growing up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I grew up, everybody knows you don't wear white after Labor Day. And there's no need to ask why, because <laughs> it just is, right? So you people see, you always were radical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people just do that in every area of yeah. their life. The college they choose, who they marry, the work they do, the career they have, um, they nobody ever questions the premise. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. that's really the foundation in all of my work for coaching, consulting, the books I write is, hey, let's question the premise. Mm. Mm. And how do we do that? Well, you just say, okay, I know this is the accepted premise that you don't wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> but is that, is there a real reason for that? Yeah. Is that just a mind virus that has been passed down for generations, right? So, you know, for generations, little girls would say, I want to be a doctor. And the parents would say, well, honey, you know, women are usually nurses. You don't, mm -hmm. why don't you be more realistic and go to nursing school, right? Mm -hmm. We're, that's a premise that was accepted for generations, right? There's still, you know, go to Afghanistan and that premise is still, you know, women don't get educated. Women are property, right? You have to be willing to question those things and say, is, is that really true? Or did something change to make it not true? Mm -hmm. Or was this never, ever true? and should have never have been accepted as a premise. Mm, mm. Absolutely. So let's, um, let's go back a bit and, and sort of um, build back to where we are now from your point of view, apart from the Jedi Knight bit, we've done that. <laughs> but uh, tell us about your sort of journey before that midlife crisis at 40. You know, what did you do? And when you changed first, the first time, um, sort of, you know, what prompted that? And, and, and let's, let's get back to, to present day. Have we got, have we got time? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I uh, was a marketer and mm -hmm. I got into direct marketing, direct selling companies like Avon and Pampered Chef or uh, yeah. Clean Easy over there where you are, uh, you know, utility warehouse companies oh like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was in that business and I thought, man, people are not having a lot of success. They need better training. And I thought for my team, we had this rank of this company I was working with had the first rank was supervisor. So I said, hey, I'm going to do a supervisor school. First Saturday of every month, I'm renting a room at the Marriott or the Holiday Inn or whatever. And I'm going to teach this all day how to become a supervisor. And that became really successful for my team. And then other teams started inviting, asking if they could come. And then people started asking me if I could fly to another city and do that training there. And people started mm -hmm. flying in from other places. And so um, I had become a trainer or a seminar leader without ever recognizing it. Yeah. And uh, then I they reached a point, the company did something and I said, I don't want to work with this company anymore. And I thought, well, I could train people in other companies. I could just do seminars and workshops. 
So that's what I did. So I just put out my shingle as uh, doing public seminars. And this is pre-internet. So I was renting mailing lists and mm -hmm. printing letters and buying postage and mailing out thousands of solicitations to upcoming seminars. And I traveled all over the country and yeah. then the world. And along the way, uh, people kept saying, do you have a book? You know, you need a book. What Can you write a book of all your secrets? And so I think it was probably 96. I wrote my first book and that was just about a how-to book for direct selling, which mm -hmm. sold more than 2 million copies translated into 25 different languages and still bootlegged all over the world, right? Yes. Um, so I, that kind of catapulted my career and I did a lot more speeches and then uh, consulting and I built a multi-million dollar practice with that. And then, like I said, had the midlife crisis and said, I don't want to do that. I just want to have a business that I can build from a laptop under a palm tree anywhere in the world. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And probably when I say I'm on my fourth or fifth midlife crisis, that probably two years ago, three years ago, I just said, you know, I, I love being on stage, having 5,000 or 10,000 people in the audience. I love that. But I hate the travel part and the TSA and the security and the canceled flights and the delays and all of that. So I'm happiest when I'm hunched over my laptop in my lonely writer's garret writing. So I realized, you know, I don't want to be a speaker who writes. I want to be a writer who speaks. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the culmination of 40 years of my career to say, to realize, hey, that at the essence, what really drives me is writing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to use, so I'm going to write more. I want to write a book every year. That's my goal now. And then whatever spins off on that for the coaching, the consulting, the speaking, great. I'll take the projects that excite me and I will turn down the ones that don't. And so that's kind of the, the genesis of how I got to where I am today. You know, like when you've, you've sort of something's cropped up, you've heard something and you sort of go, oh, yeah. When we talked about you coming on the, the podcast I knew I knew you not just from what I saw when I was looking, you know, at your bio and all that sort of stuff. And it's the 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 um multi-level marketing thing. Your book, How to Build a Multi-Level Money Machine, just looked it up. Mm -hmm. I read it. I read it years ago. <laughs> it's, oh. it's like I because I I'd started doing uh, multi-level marketing originally. Um uh -huh. and uh yeah, so I I read loads of stuff about, you know, the science of uh of of multi-level marketing and all that sort of thing. And now I've just like, oh, I knew that's why I knew your name really well, not just because you were around and about now sort of thing. So thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You've made me. Yeah, that book, like I say, it's a couple million copies, bootlegs yeah. all over the world. And I actually in 2019, I guess I said we had done, I think, four editions of that and probably 18 or 20 uh, new printings. Yeah. And I said, you know what? It's time to redo that book, not a new edition. 
I need to get a blank canvas and build it from scratch because the world has changed so much. So yeah. much of that business is now done on social media. Mm-hmm. So much is now done on the internet. There's so much uh, of a big change in regulatory issues. Mm-hmm. So I rewrote it uh, a whole new from scratch called direct selling success. Uh, like two years ago, and that's done extraordinary. So mm-hmm. it, it just shows. And I think that's a really important point for you coaches and consultants listening is always be looking for how do you keep your work current, right? So that book, I felt we had, like I say, we had done like four editions. So I would rewrite the second edition, rewrite the third edition, but there comes a point because that was, you know, what, 25 years ago or something, 35, Mm -hmm. you know, 20, Mm -hmm. 25 years or so. Uh, where you say, no, it's th- this isn't just a new cone of paint. I need to build a new house. Yeah. And so that's what I was doing when I wrote that book in 2019. Mm. Yeah. So, I so as I said sort of earlier in the interview, many people have have sort of gone through different changes and 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 simplified their life. I think a lot of the people I started uh, or I knew when I first started my business are in different businesses now, which are more simple and more about enjoying their life than anything else. And I think it's an age thing. You know, we partly sort of touched on that anyway. But I do always say, how can we sort of let our young people know <laughs> that there is a different way, going back to what we were saying about, you know, sort of um, beliefs and people following certain trajectories because that's what everyone else has done in the past. I always sort of think, oh, how can we, you know, your book talks about radical rebirth. That sort of implies that you've got to have done something else first and now changed. And you sort of, I don't know, the frustration of thinking, could you ever teach younger people to do that, you know, now rather than having to go through a whole load of stuff and then change? And I think potentially younger people, you know, they talk about being more interested in, um, you know, organizations and jobs that are about um, values and, and and giving back and and all that sort of thing. So maybe the world is changing a bit, but I, I don't know. Can, can we do that? Or is it just that you've got to live through something and make a change later once you've got experience? <laughs> yeah, the correct answer to that is yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, it's yes, you can't do it. And yes, you can do it. And yes, we have to do it. Um, because there is that, right. When think back when you were 20, think back when I was 20, we weren't going to listen to anybody 45 telling us how to live life. Okay. That's just not going to happen, but we do, you know, there are places where we make a difference, right? I was, I speak in to kids in jails Mm -hmm. and, high schools, right? Because I was in jail for armed robbery at 15 years old. So when I go to a jail, they're going to listen to me because I was in where they are right now. Yes. Um, And others are going to listen to me because I drive fancy sports cars because Mm -hmm. that's their only, that's how they evaluate character was, wow, this drug dealer has a lot of, 
you know, he's got a Lambo, right? So they're going to look at me the same way. Well, what kind of car does he drive? Because that superficial um, perspective is all they know at that young age and at that level that they've been operating in. Um, So we always have to reach out and do that. And we also have to allow people to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. We can't be just like you can't be a helicopter parent. You can't be Mm -hmm. a helicopter coach or consultant or author, right? Mm -hmm. I, I try to present information in my books that allow people to make decisions themselves. I try, I, I work really, really hard not to do work that tells people what to do. I try really hard for my work to be, hey, let me get you to look at this situation, whatever that might be. Let me get you to look at this situation in a way that you probably haven't looked at it before. Mm-hmm. And let me get you to question some premises. Let me get you to fuel your curiosity and then see where that takes you. And I think that's the greatest gift any coach or consultant or mentor or teacher or guide or author, that's the greatest gift we can do is not to tell people what to think, but to cause them to think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, I had a, a funny situation yesterday with uh, with said 15-year-old. I we were on a, a train journey together and I just and I said, um I said, Oh, I've got so much to do at the moment. I don't know what to do first. I said, it's just I've just got so much on. And she, she said, Well, either pick the most important thing or the 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 things that are gonna be quick to do so you can get them out of the way before you focus on the rest of it. And uh and I was like, Wow, <laughs> I'm impressed with that. And I went, I went. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you. I said, you do know that I'm a productivity specialist, don't you? And she went, <laughs> yes, but are you really? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, and uh, on that note, the, the quote I'm always saying to her, which fits a bit with what we've just said, my dad used to always quote at me that Mark Twain said his dad, what did he say? He thought his dad was a fool. At, eight, at, at 18, he thought his dad was a fool. By the time he was 20, he was amazed how much he'd learnt in the last two years. And uh, I'm always quoting that at her <laughs> for the same reason that my dad did at me. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, we have to celebrate that because the other part of the equation is we've got to say, hey, what are we supposed to be learning from that next generation each yeah. time around? Because yeah. that's where that's where the breakthroughs come. You know, it's not a mistake that Amazon.com was started by people who were not in the bookstore business. Mm-hmm. It's not a mistake that Airbnb was started by people not in the hotel business or that Uber was started by people who were not in the taxi business. Mm -hmm. The reason those breakthroughs happened is because they were from people who didn't buy into all the conventional things. Of course, you have to have bookstores. You need a place people can go. They need to pick up the books, open them up, peruse through them. You have a coffee shop there. That's how you sell books. 
right? If you look at um, Zappos, right? Who yeah. you any any sane person would say you could never sell shoes on the internet. People have to try the shoes on first. They'll never buy a pair of shoes online because mm -hmm. that's it. Sounds good. It looks good. It looks good on paper, but until you have somebody young, brash, and sometimes ignorant, ignorant enough to not know all of these things to say, well, why can't I wear white after Labor Day? You know, <laughs> it's that it really comes down to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's just get a, a bit practical here. Um, you've, you've moved from, as you said, working with a team of people to, to working on your own and, and um, working at home and using your laptop rather than uh, uh, being out uh, running events, speaking at events and that sort of thing as much. Um, how, what do you use to get stuff done? What, what sort of tools and apps and, and processes work for you, especially as you've written so many books? I'm sure there's people listening who are struggling to read and write one. <laughs> Uh, I'm the most insanely productive person you have ever met. I get more done in a week than any 11 people I've ever met in my whole life. And I'm just it, literally like I'm doing a consult, a project with another consultant right now. We're working together on something. And he's like, your next book you have got to write is a productivity book. And I'm like, no, that's not my jam. That's not my, he says, you're the most productive person I've ever met. You just, you don't fall into all of the, the BS that the rest of us do and get so distracted. Um, and I'm not a high tech guy. So for me, the tools I use are, they have to, cause I am, you know, I'm not a digital native. I didn't grow up with this stuff. Right. So these, these apps and tools and tech has to prove to me that it's going to enhance my life. Yeah. So email, I swear by email because it saves me 50 hours a week of tedious phone calls and meetings. Mm -hmm. um, now I would say I migrated to signal and uh, you know, apps like that messaging apps that, even with the clients, I, you know, I, I was doing a meeting with a client that got eight of their people on and there's the VP of this and the VP of that and whatever. And, and somebody says, okay, we've got seven minutes left in the time. Is there any questions? And as soon as I hear that, I know oh, we're in trouble because <laughs> they think the point of a meeting is to fill an hour. Yes. <laughs> My point of a meeting is if we need seven minutes, let's do a seven minute meeting. Right. Yeah. So I'm just found like, you know what, I'm going to email ahead. Okay. I'm not going to give, you know, what they want to do is get, and I have to retrain literally every client I work with because they all have these PowerPoint presentations they're enamored with. And I, you know, to me, PowerPoint was created for people who have no power and no point. <laughs> so, I don't, I'm not going to do a PowerPoint. I'm going to write a word doc like, okay, here's the outline. Here's what I'm proposing. I want to uh, simplify the product line. I want to eliminate these seven products. I'd like to develop a new product division of this and this product line. And here's the type of products I do. So I'm going to write that up. I'm going to email it out to everybody ahead. Please read that document. And then let's get on a Zoom 
and discuss. Mm-hmm. And my point of getting on this show, instead of me getting on the Zoom and making a 45-minute PowerPoint to bore everyone to tears, I'm just going to send that outline. They're going to read it in 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and then we could get on a meeting and actually do something. Yeah. Somebody sends me, uh, hey, can we have lunch? No, I'm sorry. I, I'm all booked up. I'm on a book deadline. <laughs> I don't ever meet for lunch. I don't ever meet for coffee. It's just right. not a thing. I got to pick your brain. No, unless you've got any questions, send me a, send me a signal message or a WhatsApp yeah. message. Yeah. Right. Somebody says, Hey, can we have a meeting of about this? My response instead of yes or no, I'm going to say, and what, what's the objective of that meeting? Yeah. So now they tell me the objective. Well, the object, we want to get your feedback on a, B or C. Oh, let me save you the trouble. I can tell you right now, I'm all in on B. I think option A doesn't work because of this, this, and this. And I hate option C because of that, that, that. Here's my recommendation. And I send that in an email or a WhatsApp, right? So um, I have another virtual assistant over there in the UK with you uh, who does my podcast. So I record my podcast and I send him the Zoom link. And then he puts it on the providers and, you know, does all the formatting. I don't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for me to do that. My job is to do rainmaker activity, yeah. which means producing content or working with people giving me money. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anything else, like literally, you know, I, I, I kept a place in San Diego, right? So I sent an email to Lornette about something and I wrote at the bottom um, and please send me some more postage stamps because I have, there's some bills I still send by mail check or whatever. Yeah. And she wrote me back. You've been in San Diego for four years now. You haven't found a local post office where it is. (laughs) And I wrote back, darling, I love you. My, but my job is not to go get stamps at the post office. Okay. (laughs) My job is to get clients to pay us money so I can pay you your salary. (laughs) So I need you to send me a book of postage stamps. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it Mm -hmm. drives her nuts sometimes, but I'm like, Hey, my Range Rover needs to be serviced. Hey, I got this thing. It needs to be picked up here. Can you, I got a prescription. Can you get it delivered to me? I'm not going to waste my time on that stuff. And mm-hmm. and every coach, every consultant, you've got to know the value of your time. And yeah. you've got to say, hey, I probably can't afford to clean my own house. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to mow my lawn. I can't afford to take care of my swimming pool, right? You have to say, who can I hire to do those things so I can concentrate because every coaching consultant, you're either uh, getting the business and when you're getting the business, you're not doing the business. Yeah. And when you're doing the business, you're not getting the business, mm. right? So your, your time is the most valuable commodity you have. So you've got to get rid of all the distractions, get rid of all the clutter and concentrate on rainmaker activity. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you. That was really well put and uh, emphasised. <laughs> so hopefully uh, our listeners will uh, will pick up on that. We talk a lot on the show about, uh, you know, outsourcing and automation, all that sort of stuff. But I know that so few coaches and consultants still do that because it just feels too expensive or too complicated or too difficult or they haven't found the right people to help them. And it, as you've just really nicely highlighted, it's just so important to do, um, vital, I think for their businesses. Yeah, so for me the 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 apps, the tech, the things that uh a laptop, I use a MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Word, you know, Word for yeah. Mac, obviously. Yeah. WordPress, I do post all my own blog stuff and I've learned that's very elegant. That's, you know, for mm-hmm. me to learn how to do that was worth it cuz now I just put my blogs up. And then my messaging apps, right? Yeah. That's it from a tech standpoint. I don't, you know, really, um, even, you know, I bought some Krieg lights for the, the, you know, and I put my laptop in front of the window so I get beautiful lighting from that. Yeah. And I use Zoom or StreamYard. Um, and that's really about as tech as I get. Mm-hmm. Lovely. So last couple of questions. Firstly, what about those days where it goes horribly wrong? What do you do on those days? Uh, I just, I want to know why did it go horribly wrong? And then I'm going to own if it was my fault that it was horribly wrong, then I'm going to own it. Mm-hmm. And if I screwed up something and it screwed up for a client, I'm not going to look for who in the organization I can blame. I'm going to say, Hey, I messed up. I made this assumption and this turned out not to be true. So we're going to have to reconfigure and go at this another way. And I think they respect me and appreciate me for that. And I've never, I've never lost a client because of something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the last question, those days where you get to live more, and that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? Really, my passion is softball. I just came back. I spent last week in Columbus, Ohio, with my softball team playing in the World Series. Uh, a new season starts this coming Sunday. Um, I'm on a couple teams in a couple leagues. To me, that's I'm out. I'm running. I'm sweating. I'm getting sunshine. I'm getting fresh air. And I don't even think about my business when I'm on the softball field. So that I love doing that. I love riding a bike and reading. Those are my, you know, yeah, fun times. That's, you know, and, and then, you know, obviously the, the people when you can just, you know, have that relationship or that, you know, dinner with friends and you're there, you realize you've been, you better quadruple your tip because you've been at that restaurant for five hours and you don't know where the time went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so it's been really interesting talking to you today randy um tell people how they can find out more about you and i was gonna say get in touch but you maybe don't want them to do that <laughs> yeah. i have i have done something that has shocked every coach and consultant i know they didn't believe me as one month ago i shut down twitter facebook instagram all of my social media and decided I no longer want to play that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 
best place to get me is randygage.com. And I do, you know, my post on my blog there. I have a podcast called the Power Prosperity Podcast. Uh, and I interact with people in, you know, in those places, my blog and, um, and my YouTube videos, you know, the, I, I do read all the comments and interact mm-hmm. with people there. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for your time today. Hey, Joe, great to be on with you. Stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Join Power to Live More Calm membership today and make an investment in your future. The Power to Live More Calm membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business. You get access to our supportive community, including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation, and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists, and planners to keep you motivated, organised, and productive. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash getcalm. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 235, then you'll find them there. This is Short and Sweet this week, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 